This is Cheryl Broderson with Jasmine Allnut. And we are talking about a woman worth knowing. Yes, we are. And it's Catherine Bushnell. Mm-hmm. So last week we talked about Catherine, how she was the seventh of nine children. Yep. She is from Illinois. She got her degree, uh, her first degree in languages and her second degree in medicine. Mm-hmm. And she'd gone to China as a missionary and was there for three years and felt like it was not as fruitful as she would have liked it to be. Even though it was. It was, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's just happened sometimes. We're, we're in our own mind, which is sweet. There's humility there. Like, oh, I'm not doing anything. But yeah, yeah she I impacted really a lot of other people. She impacted so much, which we'll talk about in weeks to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's like something that we all suffer with, that we don't realize how the Lord is using us. I, True. I think that there's probably a clearance and it's a wonderful life for each yeah. of us <laughs> that, you know, uh, we've said this before because somebody took offense to the title women worth knowing. Like, you know, are you saying I'm not worth knowing? No, we're saying you are worth knowing. That's the point. It, yes, that's the whole so point. Many, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, kind of like in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, what if, well, it's Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy the actor. Stewart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't feel like his life is worth living. And then Clarence appears and shows him how much of a difference he has made in the lives of so many people and even in the lives of his community Mm -hmm. and his, you know, little Bedford Falls. Falls. Bedford Falls, we remember that. (laughs) And so that's why we're doing these women because they do make a difference. And Catherine did make a difference. In fact, she is definitely a woman worth knowing. Mm. She returned and she set up a medical practice in Colorado with her associate, uh, Ella Gilchrist, who died in Colorado of tuberculosis. Mm. But by that time, um, Catherine had decided to give up the medical profession um, in order to become an evangelist, um, especially working within the Women's Christian Temperance Union. And Jasmine and I were talking about um, the Women's uh, Christian Temperance Union because we get the idea of Carrie Nation who went, you know, with this hatchet, you know, breaking oh, up yeah, bars. Oh, yeah, oh, violent. <laughs> right, and that's not at all what the uh, W— um, WCTU or yeah, WCTU did at all. In fact, what they did is they set up these reading rooms and they invited women to come in and to hear the gospel. And one of the reasons that Catherine became such an avid member of this is because she saw firsthand the abuse of women as a medical doctor, the broken limbs, uh, the the black eyes, Mm -hmm. the punched lips, the internal bleeding. from women whose husbands got drunk and then would come and beat them. And the women would testify that they're so nice when they're sober. They're such hard workers. It's they love only, their kids. Right. Yeah. And these men were moral men for mm-hmm. the most part until they drank. And, yeah. you know, that's when, you know, literally all hell broke yeah. loose. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that they do call it spirits because, you know. It's true. There's a reason for that. There's yeah. a reason <laughs> for this. So what happened then is that Catherine, after Ella's Ella Gilchrist's death, she moved back to Chicago, started these reading rooms, and started evangelizing. Then she heard a report about um, abuse going on in Wisconsin, which we talked about, terrible prostitution, forced prostitution. You know, this is one of the things that really worries me uh, when the United States talks about legalizing prostitution. No idea what they're getting into. Right, because at this point, it was legal in the United States to be a prostitute. And so... um, she couldn't go 
at it from legal standards. That's why she lobbied for this bill that would make it a crime at least to be under 21 and to be a prostitute because most of these women, 575 women, were forced into prostitution very against young, their will. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, very, very young. young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them abducted and kidnapped. So she returned after that back to Evanston. Illinois, and she prayed for guidance at this time, like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And where do you want me to go? You know, what is it that you have for me? Uh, While reading her Bible, she was reading about Joseph and how Joseph had dreams. Hmm. And she was like, Lord, you could speak to me in a dream. Well, then a little bit later, the next day she was reading again, and she read about Peter having this vision or this dream on this housetop. And she was really convinced that the Lord would give her direction in a dream, even as he gave Paul direction in a dream when he saw the man of Macedonia. So she's like, all right, Lord, I know that you can give me direction. And she didn't feel any inclination any way at all. But, you know, she just prayed. So she has a dream. And in this dream, she dreamed she was on a voyage to England to meet Josephine Butler. Now, do you know who Josephine Butler is? I know is? that name. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why. Well, she was also uh, part of the uh, Women's Christian Temperance okay. Union in England, okay. but more um, working for um, the evangelism of prostitutes, trying to get these women off the streets. Did, did Catherine know her already, or she had she ever met her? No, she'd only heard oh. of her. Oh, interesting. Because okay. Josephine Butler's work in England was very, very famous. Okay. So, um, Mrs. Butler was actually um, a very wealthy woman, and she opened up her even her house. She would go out and mm-hmm. she would evangelize the prostitutes, inviting these women, if they wanted to get out of that sex trade and if they wanted to receive Jesus, to even stay and live in her house. She would hire some wow. of them as uh, domestics and, and use them and help them find employment. She what, uh, what Elizabeth Fry did in the prison. Oh, yes. This is what Josephine Butler did outside of the prison. And you know, it was frowned upon in her echelon or her upper class group, but she didn't care. She did it anyway. Um, She also lobbied against the Contagious Disease Act. Do you know what that was? Hmm. This is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. Now, this is England. So England had this thing called the Contagious Disease Act. So if a man got venereal disease, he could accuse as many women as he wanted to of giving it to them. Those women were put in jail or prison until they had a very invasive, terrible exam, Wow! usually by a male doctor, to prove that they either did not have that disease or they had been cured of that disease. Well, and syphilis was Mm -hmm. pretty deadly. But you 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 could literally accuse any woman, and she had no defense. No defense at all. She could be a wife. She could be a daughter. She could be a virgin. And you could accuse her, and she would be put in prison until she could prove otherwise. In other words... You were guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, and the man get, doesn't have any consequence. No yeah, consequence at all. Yeah. Contagious disease, and he doesn't have to have a, a doctor's visit. He doesn't have to go to jail. He He's not accused of giving it to others. Mm-hmm. And so she really lobbied hard. Josephine Butler lobbied hard against this, um, just talking about how terrible, how awful it was, how prejudicial it was, it was against women. So she receives um, this letter from Catherine Bushnell, which is an introduction, introductory letter. And she says, look, I prayed for a dream and I feel like the Lord wants me to 
you know, come over and see you and see your work. And this is my work that I've been doing. And she, you know, gave an introduction about what she had done in Chicago and about the work in Wisconsin. Well, Josephine wrote back and invited her immediately to come to England. So Catherine boarded a boat and sailed to England. In England, Catherine was told of the plight of young Indian women in India who were being conscripted against their will for the base desires of the British military. So again, um, what would happen is the British military, this is really bad, but they said, you know, look, we're the Christian nation. These are heathen women, so we can do whatever we want to heathen women. So what they did is they dehumanized them. And then they abducted them, um, some again, as young as 12 and 13 years old, and brought them into a life of prostitution. And this is what um, the British military, this was their policy. Uh, Younger, more attractive native girls were to be put to the mercy of the British soldiers for the benefit of the soldiers' health. Wow. And this is alluded to in a lot of missionary biographies because the missionaries had such a hard time working against the bad witness of the military to show them that's not Christianity. That's right. This is not who we are. That's right. You know, it's interesting too because, um, you know, I'm reading a book about uh, global evangelism right now and it's talking about how hard it is to evangelize in some of the countries that were once colonized yes. by the british because of the british military they were so bad yeah because of I what mean, they did and especially in some of the um muslim countries because mm-hmm. of how bad so they equated a christian as somebody who had loose morals you know which is just the opposite. You know, a Christian is somebody who has been made righteous by Jesus, and that righteousness that's been imputed to us is working itself out. Yeah. You know, yes. by the and Holy Spirit. And values people, values women. I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. It, that's the gospel. <laughs> exactly. So in 1891, accompanied by her friend Elizabeth Andrew, Catherine went to India. And she was there from 1891 um, to 1893. Um, as a spy, so to speak, an investigator. And so she investigated all the allegations against the British military. And so Elizabeth and Catherine published and co-wrote a book called The Queen's Daughters in India and Heathen Slaves and Christian Rulers. And it's a comprehensive account of the travels and what they found in India. So Mm. the first one, the Queen's Daughters in India, the title has to do with the belief that Queen Victoria was unaware of how the British military was acting Mm. and that she would be against it and that she would be for these Indian women if she she, only knew their plight. She was a a pretty cool queen that way. She was. Reform-minded. Right, and And, and a Christian. Yes, exactly. And so she would not have been it. But you know, there is that thing that happens, the ivory tower, where you're so far separated from your people. And Mm. of course, she went into that severe mourning after after Albert died. After Albert died. And so she was really unaware. So uh, when she wrote this, because she wasn't sure whether her reports that she submitted, because she had to submit her reports to the British military, whether the queen would ever see those reports or not. So that's why she wrote this book. Like, I'm going to get this out to the public because I want, again, the church had been her greatest allies in the fight against the prostitution and the evils that were taking place in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So she knew that her church, she had to get the church involved. The church in England and America had to know what was going on in order to put pressure on the military to stop these practices. 
So, um, um, after her success, because this was so successful, these books were so successful, The Queen's wow. Daughters in India and Heathen Slaves and Christian Rulers. Like, again, this shouldn't be. Yeah, There should not be heathen slaves when you have Christian rulers. Mm-hmm. So these books were so successful, and they put so much pressure on the British government to stop uh, the prostitution that she was hired by the British government government and commissioned to investigate the opium trade between China and India. Mm. So again, we know that the British were complicit. The British military uh, and government was complicit in starting um, and putting opium in India and in China so that they could um, conquer these countries, colonize them. You know, it was really underhanded, yeah. but to colonize these. And then what they did is uh, these young girls, these prostitutes were given opium uh, to make them docile and yeah. make yeah. them cooperate. Mm-hmm. And so after her investigation, after her reports to the British government, like these are the people who are doing it. This is what's going on. And she was an incredible investigator. I mean, she did her homework. Um, she was in Pervious to threats, she kept going. Um, She returned to the States, and she began to pour her energies into theology because she felt like the majority of people, like the British military, had bad theology and that there was so much chauvinism and feelings of superiority Mm -hmm. over women. And she actually said this. this This is kind of funny. She said, if the Bible had been translated by Uh, female Greek and Hebrew scholars, men would never have stood for it. They would have said, no, 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 no. You need men to also translate. Yeah, yeah. And she said, yet you don't find any female scholars on any of the translation boards. And she felt like that was a a terrible omission because women would see it um, and hear it from a different you know, angle. You know, she she wrote a, a a classic book that was called God's Word to Women, and it was first published in 1921 when she was um, 65 years old. And in fact, she's been called the most prominent voice declaring the Bible as liberating to women. The most prominent voice. Um, many use her book God's Word to Women as a case for egalitarianism in the church, um, and seeing that both women and, and men have equal status before God in the church. Uh, much of it, her book that she wrote was taken from her correspondence that she would write, you know, some of it um, to other women, most of it going to members of the Women's Christian Temperance Union, some of it going to Frances Willard, some of it uh, to Josephine Butler. But she was talking about the miss. And, you know, she she felt like it it was not only the way it was translated could be taken the wrong way, not necessarily that it had to be, but it was. And so she advocated for a better translation. Um, for instance, the word um, uh, the word in Greek would be women and men, and it was translated man. And right. so it would seem that the gospel had its application only to men, you know. Um, and so she wanted it to know that it was both men and women 
I was even thinking of just in uh, when when Jesus is, I think, uh, after he's resurrected and he appears to Mary Magdalene, he says, woman, you know, and if you look at the trans, I mean, that makes it sound like he's just saying woman. To yeah, her yeah, kind of, like, but if you look at it, it's dear woman. There's like, it's that's right in the Greek. It's that's just right. so warm and that's so right. loving. That's right. And he's not saying I don't want to be touched by a woman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Woman, don't touch me. It's right. not like that. No, he's saying, dear woman, understand that there's more to this story. Mm-hmm. And I want you to be, actually, he's commissioning her to be an evangelist. Right, go tell the disciples. You, I yes. need you. I need yeah. your services. You can't just stay here and hold on to me. We're both needed elsewhere. And I've got a, a commission for you. Exactly. Love that. Right. So in this book, she worked through every biblical portion interpreted to mean, or that have been taken to mean that women are inferior to men. And so this included the topics of preaching, submission, polygamy, and head coverings. So these were hot issues yeah. in that day. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but in the you know church, for years, women had to wear head coverings. They had to wear hats or scarves in right. almost all the major denominations. Right, yeah. Until I think it was... Uh, Four square that begin to set women free, but even many of the Pentecostal and the Anglican churches insisted on hats as well, of course, the Catholic Church, yeah. also on submission, because she felt that many were misinterpreting it. And you know, during her time, the idea was that you had to submit uh, to your husband, even if you went against God. And she'd seen that as a full abuse. Mm. And she said, no, a woman's first obligation is to obey God. And she's Peter's, you know, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that everyone, every Christian's first obligation is to obey God first. And your first service is to God. There were a lot of men who were excusing polygamy or mistresses uh, because Jacob had two wives. And she showed how Abraham had one wife. Mm -hmm. Hagar was a mistake. God showed it was a mistake. And how the original covenant, one wife, and then how it was the bishops were to be the husband of one wife. And so she really lobbied against polygamy and how it um, desecrated a woman and how it demeaned marriage and how if the church is the bride of Christ and he is totally devoted to his bride, then it's, you know, one man, one woman. It, interesting. She believed that women should be participants in understanding and translating the Bible. She encouraged women to learn Hebrew, to to learn Greek, uh, to to expand their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she wrote that God does not approve that law which places Jehovah in a position secondary secondary to her husband in a wife's life. Isn't that a great line? Mm. So anyway, Catherine continued to teach uh, theology, to write books on theology, continued to evangelize and minister the gospel and work with the Women's Christian um, uh, Temperance Union. Temperance Union. (laughs) You know, of course, she was so happy when prohibition was passed and so unhappy when it was rescinded. Yeah. Um, she died January 26, 1946 at 91 years wow. old, which wow. is incredible because when she, she was in China, wars? yes, Jeez. yes, two <laughs> world wars. And when she was in China, her health was in jeopardy. 
and her, you know, she hurt her back and she really suffered. In fact, that, it was her ill health that they said, you, you can't take the climate here. You need to go back. Uh, she had death threats on her life in both Colorado and Wisconsin. Um, she had, you know, she was unlawfully arrested at times. I mean, this woman just went through so yeah. much in order to see other women saved. And mm-hmm. this is one thing I really um, loved about Catherine is she didn't seek to pastor men. Yeah, She sought to pastor women. Mm-hmm. That was her whole um, emphasis. It's like, I want to reach women, but I want to tell women, you can know the Bible. Yeah. You can you can evangelize, you can talk about the Bible, you can know theology, you can have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. You can pray and God hears your prayers and he will answer your prayers. And so she was really really um big on evangelism but to women. Yeah. And she invited women and also to children. She loved children. Yeah. And I and I love how the Lord will raise up women for such a time as this. I'm even thinking later when we talk about um some women in the Middle Ages. There's certain times in history where God will raise someone up and they did actually these gals did similar things. They learned Greek and Hebrew so they could translate and work in the Bible and uh you know defenders of the faith and theology and stuff. There've been times where you know, it was just so needed. And obviously this was a very needed thing at a time when the Bible was being interpreted a certain way that just, you know, it's like, wait a minute, that's not right, right. the full picture here. Right, but in some circles, it's still being, you know, interpreted or misinterpreted. You know, um, certain passages by Paul, um, she said they totally missed the point that Paul was saying. Like when he said, you know, it was not... Um, you know, oh, Eve that was formed right, first. but yeah. when she's talking about Adam was formed first and yeah. then Eve, he was talking about the protective um, place that a man is to have of a woman, not to exploit a woman, but to protect a woman. Mm-hmm. And so she really talked about that's not what Paul is saying. What you've taken it to say is not Paul's point. And so she had these beautiful arguments uh, mm-hmm. that are really, uh, in fact, her her book. Uh, God's Word to a Woman is required reading in a lot of colleges. Wow. Um, yeah. To study these arguments and to know, I, I actually really, really want to get a copy of this. Yeah. And if you get, I mean, if you look at, that's why we have to look at the whole counsel of God. If you get a mm-hmm. full picture, even like you were saying of, of Jesus and his interactions, it's like, how could, you know, <laughs> how would Paul go against what Jesus himself was practicing by elevating women, even like teaching, allowing Mary to sit at his feet and learn exactly. theology. It's like, exactly, you know. <laughs> and commending her for it. Yes. Saying yeah, to Martha, she, yeah. you know, Martha, she's doing a better work than you yeah. are. And Martha's doing housework. Yeah. <laughs> Martha's doing housework and cooking, all the things that men kind of, no offense, but depend on. Right. And he's saying to Mary. To Martha. To yeah. Martha, Mary chose the better thing. Sitting at my feet, learning about me is what she needs. Mm. And so, again, I am just so taken with the fact that Catherine sought to minister to women. Mm. She she understood and she had this heart for women and, and she saw them as beleaguered and abused and mm. pushed down and, you know, um, Dehumanized, dehumanized yeah. especially with the prostitution. Yes. And she felt like she felt like some of that was laid on the church for bad interpretations of what Paul was saying. Mm-hmm. And so that if you got Paul right 
if you got the Bible right. And then men couldn't call themselves Christians unless they were willing to <laughs> obey and come under the authority of the Bible in attitude, mm-hmm. in heart, in practice. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of these people, these soldiers, like we were talking about, the soldiers, even these lumberjacks, you know, uh, you know, would claim to be Christians because they believed in God. You know, it's interesting yes. because yes. Jesus said, you know, even the demons uh, believe and tremble. It, it, it's yeah. not about just <laughs> believing. It's about obeying and coming under the authority of the word of God. That's a great point. I also like, uh, you had mentioned in episode one about how they would um, find women in the paper, you said, like who had been accused of prostitution or whatever, right. and go out and find them. And what came to mind when you said that, I was just thinking about how Jesus, you know, goes after the one, leaves the 99. He came to seek and to yes. save that which was lost, you know, to seek him, seek people out. Yeah. And I love, I mean, how... That must have just really spoken to those women. Like, wow, you came after me to find me? I mean, they yeah. were they well, were people. They weren't just like oh, another she, prostitute. Right. She loved to teach the women from John chapter 8 mm. and show Jesus' interaction with this woman caught in the very act of adultery. Yes. His kindness, his compassion, his willingness to forgive and to reinstate her dignity. And, and that's what she guys. talked about. Right. That Exactly. You know, right there mm. sins. And she talked about how Jesus is constantly restoring the dignity to women. He's restoring, like you said, woman, dignity, dignity, mm-hmm. dignity. You know, it's interesting, though, because um, we I talked a little bit earlier about Elizabeth Andrew, who accompanied her to India. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth Andrew did not. Uh, she was prejudiced against prostitutes and fallen oh. women. And this was something that she felt very uncomfortable with. Was she upper class? I don't know. Okay, because that might have had a, yeah, anyway. But she, she became a, you know. Uh, an associate with her and even writing the books with her. But at first, when she saw Catherine evangelizing and going with the gospel and being so kind to these women and willing to help them and deliver them and, you know, because she had felt like, well, you know, they're the lower rung of society. They've chosen this. This is choices they've made. And the more she realized that they had been trapped and entrapped into this lifestyle, it wasn't something that they wanted. The more she began to evangelize herself and to work mm, with sweet. Catherine, even as we said before, co-writing the books, The Queen's Daughter in India and Heathen Slaves and Christian Rulers. That's huge because in Britain, that was a problem is that for the upper classes, especially, that's why I asked that, is... is there was just this mentality like, oh, these women are seducing our men. Right. Like, this is right. their fault. Right. But like you said, they chose this, and now right. they're bringing down our men. And it's Right. Just... <laughs> right. Exactly. Like there's exactly. no responsibility on the men's But shoulder. that's part of the, you know, um, Eve gave Adam the fruit yeah. as if she seduced him into eating instead of and Adam no making choice. a choice yeah. Yeah. to take it and eat it himself. Yeah. And so— you know, that's all That's all part of it. But that's why Catherine Bushnell is really a woman worth knowing. Absolutely. Yes. Lots we can learn from her. Yes. So, Jasmine, if somebody went to write in because they have um, a suggestion for us, where would they write? Yes. I'm glad you asked that, Cheryl. They would uh, want to email us at wwk at cccm.com. That stands for Women Worth Knowing. wwk at cccm.com if you want to email us. Uh, with any suggestions you have, whether it's a book you've read or a family member, friend, a missionary you know about from your church. We've had that before where people write in about yes. people they've heard oh, of. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah. I've got one from Pamela Wing that was actually— Oh, that's right. I can't wait to get that book. 
medical. Yep. You know, I, I keep trying to get out of the medical. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think it's what okay. we're going to do is I'm going to continue in the medical, and Jasmine's going to actually move into some of the martyrs in the Middle Ages. Yes, yeah, so so we we'll might. Sh- we'll stay. Yeah, we'll put those episodes later. Yeah. yeah but, or we might just do it every other one. We don't know because <laughs> we're just playing this by ear. Yes. We're just being led by the Spirit. But we're so glad that you're listening and that. We would love it if you would like us on whatever um, mode, app, that, uh, you yes. know, venue that you use to hear women worth knowing. And tell a friend because mm-hmm. these stories of women, I love them. I'm inspired by them. And we hope that you are. And we hope that other women are inspired. Too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this isn't about us. We just want you to know these stories and know about these women to be encouraged in your walk. So. That's right. Because you know what? God uses women. Amen. And you could be... And you are a woman <laughs> worth knowing. Yes, indeed. If you know Jesus, you're a woman worth knowing. So join. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us on this episode with Catherine Bushnell of Women Worth Knowing. Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut signing and off. <laughs> until next time. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut.